Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message. So it is that anniversaries are special. A man was watching the early morning news one morning at the breakfast table, and his wife came over to him, and uh, she hugged him and smiled and said, I bet you don't know what today is, do you? And as most men do, he looked at him and said, sure, I know what today it is. It, what what day it is, and uh, went back to watching the news. Well, the reality was he didn't have a clue what the day was. He was afraid that he would make his wife upset. She was really sensitive about special occasions. So he thought to himself, it's a birthday. That must be it. So after he got to work, he called the florist and had a bouquet of roses sent to his wife. Then as the day went on, he began worrying that flowers may not have been enough. So he went down to the jewelry store on his lunch break, picked out a beautiful gold necklace and had it special delivered to his wife. And as he started home from work, he decided that maybe he should also stop and buy her a box of expensive chocolate to bring to her, just in case. Well, he pulls into the driveway and his wife runs out and greets him. As he gets out of the car, he presents her with a box of chocolate. She throws her arms around him and says, oh honey, this is the best Groundhog Day I ever had. <laughs> Guys, don't fake it till you make it to get in trouble. <laughs> I'll tell you what, a groundhog day like that is terrible. <laughs> the church, as we know it, is in a precarious position today. Uh, we move forward through the, uns- uh, through the unsure age of people, A, not knowing who they are, and B, trying to make us someone that we are not. And the truth of the matter is that too many times we don't have a clear direction or a picture of where we're going. We have a lack of a defined destination. And oftentimes we're just drifting with the world rather than sailing with God. So out of Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 6 through 11, you'll find these words if you'll have your Bibles and do whatever you normally do if you stand. Please stand if you said it's okay. All right, here we go. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 9, by by faith, he made his home in the promised land with a stranger. Uh, In a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I want to talk about the church with vision. The church with vision. Let me ask you this morning. What do you see here at Covenant from the faithful six to the 56? What, what, do, you, what do you see? What do you see God doing with you as you progress forward? As you think back over the past year, or the length of time you've been here, 
as you look at your own life and the direction of this church, what do you see? Where, where is the church going? And in terms of vision, there are three types of churches and people, and I want to share that with you. But let me, let me just say at the outset that you have been blessed abundantly, exceedingly, more than you can imagine or think with the great leaders that you have because I've had the opportunity to work up close with them and you are blessed beyond measure because number one, they have integrity. Number two, they have a sense of direction and where God is leading them. Number three, they are obedient workers. And number four, they have God in front of them the Holy Ghost in them, and Jesus interceding for them. You can't get any better than that. Amen? Amen. The first church I want to talk about is the Rearview Mirror Church. This church is forever looking back. It's one that's always looking backwards. All the people ever talk about is the good old days. They miss what's happening today because they're always looking back at yesterday. Decisions in this kind of church are based on what has worked in the past. If it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. That is not necessarily true. There's not a single solitary person in this room who wants to live where they lived 10 years ago or 20 years ago. There's nobody here who wants the same vehicle that they drove 20 years ago if you uh, had one then. Amen. There's nobody here that wants to go back to the 1900s. While the good old days were necessary for you to get here today, you can't live in the past. Somebody help me here. Psalms 137.1 says, By the river of Babylon we sat down and wept where we remembered Zion. There on the polars we hung our harps, and for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, Sing us one of Zion's songs. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a foreign land? The children of Israel missed what God was doing. God was doing a new thing, but they did not understand it. They saw the captivity as an end and not a beginning. Let me just interject. Sometimes problems come in your life in order that God can get you where you need to be. If Lane hadn't needed something sealed, she wouldn't be sitting here today. If John hadn't been working there, he, he, he wouldn't have Lane. Then, of course, Caitlin wouldn't be here and, and all that goes with that. Amen? I'm trying to tell you, sometimes God allows stuff to come in your life in order that he may get you where you need to be. Somebody talk to me. Uh, yeah, some, sometimes you got to understand that what's happening may not be as bad as you think it is. It may be a door opening for something greater. Amen. So the children, they did not see that through the captivity, God was setting the stage for Jesus. The Babylonians would be defeated by the Persians who would allow the Jews to spread all across the Mediterranean. They would be defeated by the Greeks who would unify all the people through its languages and customs. They would be defeated by the Romans who would build roads and make transportation possible to every uh, corner of the then known world. So when Jesus was born, the stage was set as a message could spread like wildfire in one generation to the next. But all they saw at that moment was how they had lived in Egypt and had some stuff to eat. They were in 
slavery on their way to freedom, but all they could see was where they came from. Years ago, Mao Zedong was the leader of China, and there was a great persecution of Christians. Mao wanted to eliminate Christianity. At first, he arrested the Christians and then spread them all over the country, thinking that they could not meet together so the church would die. Second, he wanted to punish them, so he gave them the worst possible jobs. He gave them the jobs of garbage collectors and grave diggers. On the surface, you would think that that would work, that that would kill Christianity. However, in spreading out the Christians, he planted Christianity to the entire nation. In making Christian garbage collectors, he gave them access to every home in the country. And in making them grave diggers, he placed them in situations where they could share the good news of Jesus Christ at the grave. People, I need to tell you this. Poor eyes limit your sight, but poor vision limits your future. Mel couldn't see beyond punishment, but God had more than vision for, I mean, eyesight for his people. Sometimes, listen at this, your boss may really be a dog. Excuse me. Can I say that better? Let's see, how can I say that better? Your boss may be a pain in the neck. No, that's not good either. Your boss... Well, you know who he is. <laughs> but at any rate, that might be what's getting ready to elevate you to where God wants you. Listen at this. What it does sometimes, it keeps you praying in your office, in your cubicle, wherever you are, when otherwise you wouldn't have been praying. You would have been thinking about something different. But when they try to uh, misuse you and abuse you and manipulate you, what you do is you go tell God. Somebody talk to me here. The only thing I don't like for my wife to say when we're in an argument is, well, I'm just going to tell God about it. Tell anybody. Just don't tell God because I know I lost. So you got to understand. You got to understand. You got to know that poor vision will limit your future. While you can learn from the past, you can't live there. You have to live and adopt to where you are or else you'll perish. You have to adapt in, in order to survive and live. Too many churches today are spending their time and resources lamenting the past when they should be adopting to the future. What has worked in the past may not work in the present because the audience has changed. The gospel must be preached afresh, told in new ways to every generation. And since every generation has its own unique questions, the gospel must constantly be forwarded to a new address because a recipient is repeatedly changing his place of residence. People don't live like they did two decades ago. Am I right about it? Yeah, I know, I know a lot of the styles go around and come back. The ties, you know, from the wide to the narrow. The shoes from the pointed to the painful. I mean, from uh, the, the, the... But the truth of the matter is, there are some things that we did in the past that we cannot do in the present or the future. But God never changes. His methodology may change, but God is the same yesterday, today, and how long? I like this group right here. That means y'all going to get a short sermon today. 
but short is relative. It could be anywhere from an hour and 20 minutes to four hours. Y'all ain't still laughing. <laughs> okay, so it is. While it's possible, while it's possible for the church looking back, it's also true for a person. How is your walk with Christ? Are you only remembering the day you got saved? Are you only remembering the day that you experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you only remembering those things that were in the past? What about what you're doing now? What about what you want to plan in the future? In Haggai chapter 2, verse, verse 3, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it, does it seem to you like nothing? Well, God reminded the people that he was with them and that his spirit was still there. It's, it's impossible to serve God yesterday. Y'all going to catch that after a while. It's impossible to serve God yesterday. Yesterday, cancel check. Uh -huh. Tomorrow, a promissory note. Only today is ready cash. Do I have a witness? You can't live off of yesterday's stale bread. It does not matter how God has used you in the past. How is he using you now? How will he use you in the future? A person uh, or a church that tries to walk, walk backwards sooner or later is destined to fall. I don't care how good you are. Even when your name's Michael Jackson and you do the moonwalk, Michael dies. Come on, talk to me now. So it is. You got to use your past as a platform to push you into your future. Somebody talk to me. If, you, if, if, if you've had some stuff in your life, and all of us have, and if you haven't, if you live long enough, you will have. All of us have had some stuff that caused us pain and trepidation, but don't let that pain be your downfall. Amen. Haven't you gone... I know I do this. Maybe you don't do this, but I go home sometimes and I got buddies who live there and they're always talking about when I was in high school. I just barely can remember the year I was in high school. I am not trying to remember what I did in high school, but they still living in the past. Their mind is in 1968. They're back there. They're talking about when we went to uh, high school and went to the prom. Look here, man. I'm married. The prom don't matter to me no more. I got children. The prom doesn't matter to me anymore. Grandchildren, the prom doesn't matter. You got to get over that stuff and get into the present then project yourself into the future because if you don't you'll die at 80 years old still trying to do the moonwalk the other church church number two is the right now church it's looking at the present the caretaking church is always concerned with pressing issues it's so busy and there's so many needs that it focuses on the omitted issues, seems to have a maintenance mode, trying to keep his head above the water. Decisions in this kind of church are based on immediate assets. The number one question is, do we have the money now to support this? The body of Christ is established by faith. We walk not by so what we got to stop doing is looking at what's in the treasure and see what God wants for the whole body. Come on, talk to me. So, so you need to understand that if you just look at the present, you're going to run into some problems as well. 
while you got to deal with the present, and the present you can do things, what you cannot do is just look at the present only. Matthew 15, 32 says, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want them to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? They forgot who they were with. You can never forget that God is a miracle worker. Somebody talk to me. I, I know there are people who don't believe in miracles today, but I believe in miracles. As a matter of fact, I'm a miracle. I'm alive only because God deemed it so. I should have been dead. I could have died in Vietnam. Could have died in a couple of car accidents. Could have died with a heart attack. Could have died with some other stuff. But how many of you know that when God puts his mercy and grace on you, there's nothing the devil or any of his cohorts can do. I'm a living witness that God will take you through some miraculous events in order that you might give him glory. Yeah, you, you got to understand miracles still happen. Let the skeptics say what they want to. You're driving down the ice-covered road and you do a 360 turn, end up adjacent to a rail, nobody but God. Do I have a witness? You're out on a boat and you're out there working and don't have on the, uh, your life jacket and you fall overboard and the boat turns over, you can't swim. Who but God delivers you? Talk to me, somebody. Yeah, you, you're working and, and, and on a vehicle and it's jacked up and you don't have any safety props under it and you crawl out and as soon as you crawl out, the car falls. Tell me God ain't still good. Woo. I'm going to get happy by myself. Mm. So some of us are like a pig. Oh, Lord, the preacher doesn't call people pigs. Some of us are like a pig. A pig ate his field of acorns under an oak tree and then started to root around the tree. But a crow was sitting up there and said, hey, you shouldn't do that. If you lay bare the roots, the tree will wither and die. Pig said, let it die. Who cares as long as the acorns come? And what he didn't understand was if the tree died, the acorns couldn't come. See, sometimes we don't understand our source. You don't know that all my help comes from the Lord. And so when people tell me they're not going to do something for me, I do like my wife. I go tell Jesus. Jesus, you make the way. You've already put me here. You've already given me strength. You already raised me up. I dare not trust what man's going to do to me. For greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I will not let circumstances decide where I'm going or what I'm going to do. A caretaking church, a caretaking church is realistic, but they're comfortable. As long as the services are good, the needs are met, and the people are happy, then they say all is well. Philosophy is, if it's broken, don't fix it. Well, it may not be broken, but count on this, it will wear out. Amen? Yeah, I see we have young people, so I can only say peripheral things. When we first got married, I mean, it was all lovey-dovey. I was, hey, honey, how you doing, baby? Girl, you look good. Praise be to Jesus. But then bills start coming in. Wait a minute now. Something's got to change. <laughs> Do I have some witnesses up in here? 
Yeah, that love is all right. It don't pay the bills. Don't be making no more unless we talk about it, all right? <laughs> so it is. So it is. It's easy to slip into caretaking mode in our Christian walk. And certainly, I have experienced this at work. When the work of the day is so great that you can't see tomorrow coming, then you're in trouble. We need to have a greater vision of, as individuals of God's plan and purpose in our lives. Do our prayers reflect God's greater glory? Are our thoughts on today, or can we still see the big picture? You shouldn't ever lose focus of today, but you should never forget that there's going to be a tomorrow. Whether it's on the other side or on this side. My mom, who went home to be with the Lord, uh, we buried her. She died September 1st. She went home to be with the Lord. And uh, my mom was there, and we were talking, and the doctors were talking, and, and they were saying to her, well, you know, uh, this thing is terminal, and uh, what are you going to do? So my mom said, listen, let me tell you something. I got people who love me on this side. I got people who love me on the other side. I don't care which side I'm on. When you got that kind of assurance, <laughs> glory to God. Death is but an entrance way to the presence of God. So people were coming to me and said, well, Pastor, we're sorry for you, Bishop. We're sorry you lost your mother. I said, well, that, I appreciate uh, your being uh, uh, sensitive to my having lo uh, lost my mother, but, but, but let me help you with something. My mother lived her whole life to be with Christ. I'm happy for her even though there's an absence in my life. I'm not going to lay down and cry in the floor because she, she's where she lived, she, where she wanted to live. And let me just tell you something. If we can get the right concept of who God is, death won't be who, who, who we make it out to be. Death is not that term. For me, when I die, uh -huh, I don't want my family lamenting and falling all over the casket. As a matter of fact, John, if you're still living, I want you to be there and tell him praise him. I, I want you to tell him, give him glory. Because he lived and worked to be in the presence of the Lord. Because he's now absent from the body. Yes, I love my mother. Lived to be 90 years old. But my mother also had a good sense of humor about where she was going when the doctors told her that it was terminal and said, Miss Brooks, you may not live to see the holidays. My mother looked up at him and said, say that again. She said, you may not live to see the holiday. My mom looked up and said, oh, so that means I won't have to buy no Christmas presents. <laughs> you got to know who you are. And you got, can't be worried about what uh, uh, looks like something uh, that, that, that is fatal. While it was fatal to the body, it was a, a beginning for the spirit. And that's what survives anyhow. Vision encompass vast uh, vistas outside of the realm of predictability, the safe, the expected. You got to understand, uh, it was Chuck Swindoll who said, look, if you aren't looking forward to something in your future, you already did. If you aren't looking for something in your future, you already did. My mom, and I'll stop talking about her, but my mom, my mom said, Son, when they told her that this thing was terminal and it was quick, it was quick, uh, she said, you know, son, if I don't know how to die, I haven't yet learned how to live. If I don't know 
how to get rid of this body to be with the Lord, I don't know how to live. But I know how to live. To be like Jesus, she said. So it is. No man is worth his salt who is not ready at all times to risk his well-being, to risk his body, to risk his life in a great cause. Theodore Roosevelt. The third group. And the third kind of church, and I'm almost through. See, I, I promise you I wouldn't be long. And I'm not yet. The looking forward church, the church that has a vision. It is a risk-taking church, but it's always looking forward. They believe that the best is yet to come. Anybody believe that? Amen. Yeah, I know you've had some good days, but the best is yet to come. Mm -hmm. They invest all they have today so they can be all that God wants them to be tomorrow. Risk-taking churches seek to uh, to be on the cutting edge. They want to see how God is moving and use all available technology and music to make Christ known. And uh, one of the reasons that we don't take risk is the fear of failure. But I trained all my staff when, when I had one, 81 at one time. Uh, I trained them and I said, if I don't give you the opportunity to fail, you'll never have the option to succeed. So I said, you got to take some risk. As a matter of fact, you took some risk getting here to the house of worship. You, you were riding on a highway, and how many of you know there's some crazy people out there? How many of you know there's some people who don't even value their lives? And they could have uh, run into you, and you could have had an accident. But how many of you know that the grace and the mercy of God kept you? Not only that, but your body could have gone through some traumatic events, but God kept you. So you took a risk to get up out of your bed. You could have fallen. There are a number of things that could have happened, but you didn't stay in the bed. You decided today I'm going to the house of prayer and worship, and I'm looking for God to do something. Let me, let me stop you. Let me interject. Uh, you, you know, when you come to the house of prayer, you ought to have some expectations. I don't come to church just to say I've been to church. Uh, as good as the praise team was, and they were good, amen. Uh, as good as they are, uh, I, I, I don't just come to hear them. As good as a band is, I don't just come to hear them. As good as you are, I don't come just to fellowship with you. I come with an expectation that God, through his word and his manservant, is going to give me something so that next week when the devil comes at me, I got a weapon that I can put him to flight with. I don't have to be intimidated. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to run from him because greater is he that's in me that's in the world. So when you come to the house of God, you ought to have some expectations. You ought to expect God to bless you. You ought to expect to meet somebody that had a pleasant experience. You ought to expect to get a word from the pastor. And so it is. You ought to have some expectations. I never go to a restaurant without expectations. So if you never go to a restaurant without expectation, why do you come to church without expectation? I never go to bed without expectations. I expect to snore, sleep, and slop. So it is. I didn't say that. You, you, you forced me. I mean, you should be ashamed. <laughs> so it is. You ought to have expectations. When you come to God's house, you don't come here to say, I am a statue, praise the Lord, 
Aleluia. I am. No, no, no. You come with expectations. Amen. When, my wife, when I see my wife, I've been on a trip, and I hit the door, I have expectations. I expect her to come running, you know, jump in my arms. Well, she used to could jump in my arms. I run. Now I just want her to come, you know. We fear failure. However, failure is just a part of life. And it's often a prerequisite to success. If you aren't failing, then somewhere along the way you aren't trying. If you try, you will fail. But you can overcome the failure. Amen? Okay, I'm almost through. Oftentimes, success is birthed out of failure. As one book says... Failure is a back door to success. If we want to, as a church, move forward with vision, then we must accept the fact that there will be some failures. One time I had to take the, the whole deacon ministry along with myself and stand up before the congregation and say, look, we made a terrible mistake. And people didn't understand that. Well, why y'all saying well, we made a mistake? Because we did. And see, what that does is, that takes the edge off of the devil. Do you hear me? If you tell the truth, then the only thing left is a lie. Come on, talk to me now. So we were there and we made some decisions that were not right. We didn't count up all the costs. We didn't do all the stuff we needed to do. We didn't do due diligence. We didn't do the kind of stuff we should have done. Uh, so I stood up and said, listen, I want all the deacons. At that time, we didn't have elders. I want all the deacons up here with me. And I saw some of them saying, oh, God, what is pastor getting ready to do? I guess he thought, they thought I was going to, you know, pat him on the head back or something. I said, no, we, we owe you an apology. We made a mistake, and so it cost us some money. Here's what we did. And uh, it wasn't even a church meeting. And so you do know that the gossip line was alive. You know, Mount Zion deacons and pastor did X, Y, Z. Well, here's the deal. The deal was, after we told the truth, the people who didn't know what was going on came to see, so they had to pay an offering. When the offering lady went around, so we got enough money to pay for the mistake we made. All right. So, if you're wrong, just admit it. Repent. And move on, Amen. Okay, so it was, so it was. Uh, we, 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 we don't want to face the fact that sometimes we can make mistakes. Listen to this. All, everybody knows about the polio vaccine. Jonas Salk uh, had attempted 200 times unsuccessfully uh, before he came up with, with a, uh, a vaccine that worked. And somebody asked him one time, how, how did it feel to fail 200 times trying to invent a vaccine for polio? This was his response. I never failed 200 times at anything in my life. My family taught me to never use the word. I simply discovered 200 ways not to make a vaccine for polio. <laughs> a blind man is bound by the limits of his touch. An ignorant man's world is limited by his knowledge. A great man's world is limited only by his vision. What's the vision for your home? 
What's the vision for your church? What's the vision for your pastor? What's the vision for your marriage? What's the vision for your children? What's the vision for your legacy? What's the vision? What are you working for? You're not working just to pay bills. You should have a greater motive in mind than just paying bills. Amen? So what's your vision? What's your vision for you? Why did God put you here? God put you here at Covenant because he knew you belonged here. He knew you would be an asset. He knew you'd get good teaching. He knew that what the man of God and woman of God is teaching, that it'll take you where you need to go. You could have gone anywhere, but the Holy Spirit led you. You don't even know it was him at the time. I've been to places that he led me that I didn't even know he was leading me. Somebody else ought to say amen. amen. But the truth of the matter is he led me there so I could get what I needed for what was down the road. By faith, Noah went and built an ark. Think about that. He invested everything he had in something that seemed completely impossible. Can you imagine building a boat in your backyard on a day when there were no cranes that could move it? He hadn't even seen rain. How in the world are you going to build a boat? As a matter of fact, he probably didn't know what a boat was. He just knew the Lord told him to do it. Sometimes when God tells you to do some things, he doesn't give you a full explanation. He only gives you one step at a time because if you had the whole picture, you would think you did it. Yeah. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Yeah, when, when back in 1970, no, 81, 80, 81, interest rates were like 17%, and we wanted to build our first sanctuary, and we went to build it, and we went down to the bank, and the bank says, look, man, the interest rate's going to be 17%. I said, man, my gracious, that's awfully high. He said, that's what it is. I said, okay, the Lord told me to build this church. He said, in this season? I said, yes, sir. Will you let me have the money? He said, yes, sir. I said, we'll build a church. We built a church, and in five years, it was paid off, while other folks were still struggling uh, in their dilemmas trying to figure out how we did what we did. When we built the second church, which was 3,000 seats, which was $16 million, we went to the bank. The first bank said, look, we want your children, your grandchildren, your grandma, your grandpa, uh, and everybody's going to be in your lineage for the next 100 years, and we want to know who, who, who it is, where you're going, what, how you're going to do it. And uh, they said, we'll give you half of what you need. We'll give you $8 million. The Lord spoke in my spirit and said, they got to be stupid. If I, no, or you got to be stupid. One or two of y'all stupid. If I told you to go to D.C., how in the world are you going to stop in Virginia and think you met the goal I sent you to get? I went back to the bank and said, look, I don't need the little $8 million. I was crying, oh, Lord, Jesus, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I went. It wasn't a week. Another bank came and said, you don't need nothing. Just sign this paper. We'll give you $16 million. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If I'd been sitting around moping and saying, I could only get $8 million. I'm going to take the $8 million. I'd have been so crazy I wouldn't know what to do. You know why? That would only build half the building. What man sitteth down to build a building and not count the cost? And who then would get half of the money and then, you know, eight months down the road, you tell me uh, the price has escalated and all that kind of stuff. Now you won't give me the other 10 I need because you wouldn't give me the eight in the first place. What you got to do is walk by faith and not by. Okay, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. By faith, Noah did that. Built a boat in the backyard. Uh, though he could not see or understand it, he, he based his life on God's word and was willing, listen at this, ladies and gentlemen, willing to wait 120 years for the promise to be fulfilled. I'm going to tell you something. I am planting some seeds that will not mature and manifest while I'm living. 
I have done some things that I'll never see the fruit of, but my children, my grandchildren, will see the fruit of it. You got to look beyond yourself. That should never be a Christian that the church has to bury. I, okay, you, you, you don't have to like it, but it's true. You know, we jump and shout and run all over the place. Then the church got to bury you. And then your family get married because you won't, the church won't give them a $15 million funeral. You should make plans. You know you're going to die. You ain't going to live forever. Come on, somebody. I, you know, I don't care. I don't care how many. Uh, let me see how I can say this. Yeah, I don't care how many weaves you get. They ain't going to replace the hair you lost. Noah's vision, Noah's vision. My armor bearer, she, she, she works in this field, in this arena. She does a good job, but she knows I'm telling the truth. Uh, Noah's vision was based on what he had been told by God, not by men, not by others, not by naysayers, not by folks who had not been in contact with God. Sometimes in working at the church, I had to say to my wife, honey, I know you don't agree with this, but this is what God told me. She would go home somewhere and pray and come back, and she said, you know what? I'll stand with you if you say God said it. And sometimes I did some stuff I didn't say the Lord said do, and it didn't work out, and I had to face her wrath. You know what I mean? But anyway, Lord, Lord is good. Oh yes, I did. Y'all, y'all can't tell me y'all, y'all as sweet as y'all are. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Uh, but uh, by faith, Abraham left his home, went to the promised land. Though he was living in a tent, he saw the future city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He believed God and based his life, his life on that vision. What destroys perspective is our tendency to measure ministry on too small a scale. We serve a big God. Amen? And we should never have just small little visions and hopes. Come on, talk to me now. We lose a wide-angle view because we're riveted on the close-up. Listen at this. Using a microscopic lens, even a harmless little spider looks like a hairy, horrible monster. And most of us would never clean spiderwebs or cobwebs from the house if we cleaned them uh, with a microscope because they look so bad. But what you got to do sometimes, step back and say, God, whatever you want. Yeah, be detailed, be focused, but don't let the focus take you away from what God has for you. See, I was standing when I saw my wife, I was standing in line across the registration. She was on the other side. And I was with her cousin, and I saw her. I said, oh, whoa, man. I said, what a, what a woman. I said to him, I said, do you know her, man? He, he, he had been there before me. I said, do you know? He said, man, that's my cousin. I said, you lie like a fish on the bottom of the ocean. You don't know her. He said, yes, I do, man. That's my cousin. I said, don't lie to me, boy. 
He said, no, that's my cousin. I said, well, you introduced me to him? He said, sure. He was my roommate, and if he hadn't, you know, I might have turned the bed over at night or something at that time because I wasn't too saved at that time, you know. And so I might have done something because I wanted to meet her, right? But he introduced me. And later, you know, one of us in the relationship didn't act right, and so the other one had to keep him in order, you know. Uh, see, y'all think preachers have always been angelic? All you got to do is go to Sears. All right. <laughs> Jesus was a risk taker. He entrusted the salvation of his work to 11 weak and frightened men. Through God's power and vision, they changed the world. And instead of looking at the past or trusting in the present, they saw God's future church and bodily went forward to make it happen. Where is Covenant Community Church? Where is your vision today? Do you see the vision as your leadership has presented it? Are you willing to lay everything on the line for God? Are you motivated by what has happened in your life, by what you presently have or what God has done to open doors for you? Is your vision for your life and your family limited to your immediate needs? God is shaking the kingdom of the earth, and the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Don't miss what God is doing. Join him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, usually on, on, on uh, homecoming and anniversaries, you know, I, I get a little excited. But today, because of my son and daughter, I wanted to teach just a little bit and tell you, catch the vision. Catch the vision. Catch what Pastor and Lady are trying to do to get the kingdom in you so that you can help somebody else. A vision without a task is a dream. A task without a vision is drudgery. A vision and a task is the hope of the world. I'm going to close with this little story and then I'm going to do an invitation. Eight-year-old Frank had looked forward for weeks to this particular Saturday because his father had promised to take him fishing in the w if the weather was suitable. Well, there hadn't been any rain for weeks and as Saturday approached, Frank was confident of the fishing trip. But wouldn't you know it, when Saturday morning dawned, it was raining heavily and it appeared uh, that it would continue all day. Frank wandered around the house, peering out the window, grumbling more than a little. Said, seemed like the Lord would know that it would have been better to rain yesterday than today. Anybody ever said that? He complained to his father, who was sitting by the fireplace enjoying a good book. His father tried to explain to him how badly the rain was needed for other people in the community. How, how it would make the flowers grow, bring much needed moisture to the farmer's crop. But Frank was adamant. It just didn't right, Daddy. He said over and over ago. Then about 3 o'clock, the rain stopped. Still some time for fishing. And quickly, the gear was loaded and they came. They were off to the lake. Whether it was a rain or some other reason, the fish were biting hungrily. And the father and son returned with a full string of fine big fish. At supper, when some of the fish were ready, Frank's mom asked him to say the grace. Frank did. And he concluded his prayer by saying, and Lord, if I sounded grumpy earlier today, it was because I couldn't see far enough ahead. I couldn't see beyond my own doubts and my own needs. 
to what you were going to provide for us. Lord, help me stop complaining so that I may be a witness even when it looks bad for the home team. And the people said amen. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.